extend a welcome to you this morning. That's my sermon title. Anyone want to venture what it is? All. The word all. That's my sermon title. All again. And that again is my sermon title. All again. And all again. I've been sharing some words from sharing own some words from God's inspired word. Particularly looking at some small words. This is a three letter word. Words I looked at before were two letter words. This is a three letter word, the word all. And you might wonder why I, I, I contemplated for quite a while how to dis- depict this word uh, with some other part of it, uh, its meaning, depicting, you know, showing its meaning. And uh, that was what I conjured up in my mind. You know, regardless whether your life is upside down, regardless whether your life is seeming to come together like it should, or whether you're static to the right or to the left, in the Word of God, you can't get around it. All means all. I don't know if that makes any sense to you or not, but it made sense to me that when God says all, it means all. And uh, so this morning, I want to look at some of the alls that we find in the Scripture. We're going to only look at five of them. I am not exactly sure how many there are. There was a range of estimates from anywhere from 10,000 to 5,000. But I want to look at five of them. If you open your Strong's Concordance, there's at least 16 pages of, of, uh, of the word all. first one I want to take you to is, in, and I, think, I feel like it's a foundational all, and that's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's a, it's a very familiar verse. And I feel this one is foundational to our understanding of all the other words within this holy book. God's word. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. You needn't turn there if you don't care to. But we just read there in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Go to Revelations chapter 22 verse 21. And that actually does have the word all in it I believe. Revelations 22 verse 1. uh, 21 rather. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So the Bible, almost second to last word besides the Amen, ends with the word all. Um, Two very, very simple statements from Genesis to Revelations. Very, very simple statements. In the beginning, God. Do I believe that this morning? You know, it gives me a frame of reference. It gives me a, a basis on which to anchor my understanding of how this all came to, to be. In the beginning, God had a hand in it. In the beginning, God decided... It wasn't any other way. It's giving recognition to God. And then you look at the verses there in Revelation 22 and verse 21. And then you look at all the verses that are in between those two verses. Everything, every verse, every lesson 
Even the book of Leviticus. We're not living under that law today, but there's lessons for us to learn. You know, as we were talking in the Sunday school lesson this morning, I kept going back to the back further than our, our lesson text to Cain and Abel. You know, there was another very similar experience that we think seems a little bit unfair, but yet we know God is just. God knows the hearts of men. And, uh, you know, there in that incident, it seems like God directly confronted Cain and said, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, it seemed like he was a bit more long-suffering than what we see here with in our lesson, Sunday school lesson text today where just with it, you know, the, the impression we get is that fire just came out and consumed them without any... Um, but yet again, we, we leave that in the hands of the Lord. God is a just judge. I can with confidence this morning... Uh, Turn anywhere in the scripture and with confidence know that God is speaking to me through his, his word. And I believe there's a good, I believe Bible study, Bible devotions. I believe it's good to have sometimes follow topical uh, book studies. Uh, and there's times when sometimes we randomly just our Bible drops open and there is a verse and the spirit speaks to us through that verse. Uh, it's, it's sometimes God can, can make it work that way. And, uh, but to realize that, you know, where, as the king in the Old Testament started slicing out portion after portion of, of words that he thought were not applicable to him. May we never stoop to that uh, position, but that we recognize that this is the inspired word of God, and he has given it to us for our spiritual growth and maturity. God is desiring that we would learn about him. God is desiring that we would understand about ourselves. God is desiring that we would understand others. And uh, so it's God's message to us. The grace, of the, Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That's my aspiration this morning, that as we look at these all scriptures, that a portion of God's grace would, would enable us to be what God wants us to be. We need, I need to learn to embrace the scripture as we see here in our text in 2 Timothy uh, 3.16. It's inspired by God. God used and moved holy men of old and had them written down for us in our 21st century. We don't need to worry about it becoming outdated. We don't need to worry about uh, it uh, not applying. God with his Holy Spirit can help us to apply the truth to our situation, to our experiences if I want to know God's will for my life, I need to Im immerse myself in the study of His Word. And uh, looking at all scriptures given by inspiration of God, and this is Brother Paul Shirk's translation, and he shared it here from this pulpit, so you all probably remember it. But it, it's, it's, it's left an indelible uh, mark on my memory, and I actually have it noted here in my Bible. You know, in that verse 16... Doctrine It tells us what is right. And it says for correction, for what is not right. And then it also tells us how to get it right. Uh, for uh, It talks about for reproof and correction. And then it also gives us instructions on how to, how to keep it right. That we may build ourselves up spiritually. And I give credit to Paul Shirk for that uh, exposition there. In those... Uh, those, in that one small verse, there's so much truth packed. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. It's, it's something we cannot afford to be without. I cannot afford to be without it. 
And notice the results in verse 17, that the man of God, you and me this morning, the man of God, after we have immersed ourselves in the Word of God, we understand who God is, we understand what God wants from our lives, we can be what God wants us to be. And it says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What a goal and what an aspiration to realize that my life is, is the, uh, the essence of good works for His glory. How important is this written message from God to me today? You know, it's okay that I, I can't explain everything. You know, we sit here in Sunday school class and we talk about a lot of things we can't explain. We don't understand it. But you know, I need to by faith accept the fact that God, that God is so much bigger than my ability to explain something and to give understanding to it. That's my God this morning. If I was, if I was had the capability of explaining everything to you... Uh, First of all, it'd probably be wrong. <laughs> and secondly, our God would be too small. And uh, so God is, is way bigger than our ability to understand and to explain every, every passage of Scripture. But yet, I believe we need to read it in faith. And faith is an element of which we need in our, our understanding of God. We cannot approach God without faith. The Hebrews writer, Hebrew writers tell us that. Do I use this word? this book as my diet, my food, my spiritual food? Do I use it as my road map? Sometimes we hear it described as that. I was impressed by a saying just recently. He says, don't ask God to lead you if you're not willing to move your feet. And I'd like to suggest this morning that if you want to read God's Word and you're not willing to move, that's a dangerous position to be in because God wants to work in our lives and He expects us to move and respond. But when, and when we respond and are willing to move, God can take us on pathways, on journeys through life that will be extraordinary and add dimension to our walk with Him. But we need to be willing to move when God asks us to move. All Scripture, that's one of the alls I want you to remember. All Scripture, every verse in this book. With confidence, I can tell you, you can flip it open to any verse and there's some truth there. There's some meat there for you spiritually this morning. The second one, is in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Again, these are familiar verses. I'm just impressing them again upon your mind. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In, in plain English, we don't meet the standard. God has established a standard, and it tells us here that we have all, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, we don't measure up to God's standard. God, in t God's original intention was for you and me and all mankind, all humankind, to bring glory to Him. We are coming up short. It, it's not happening, okay? It's not happening. God says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no time to play the, there's no time to play the blame game. No reason to point fingers and say, well, it was this way or that way. I'm doing this because of that. and I'm this way because of that. There's no time for that. You know, it really doesn't matter what your last name is, what your background was, etc. It says we are all sinners. That's accepted as that. We are all sinners before God. And uh, regardless how good our lineage might look or how good our heritage might have looked, we still are all sinners before God. I think, I think Ryan mentioned it this morning. You know, what was it that Christ died for? He died for our sins. It was the sins of mankind that put him on the cross of Calvary. 
It was sinners. It was you and me. Even though we were not in existence, God knew we were coming into existence in His omniscience. He knew we needed a Redeemer. He knew we needed a Savior. But you know, it could have just as well, and I, I meditated on that for quite a while, and I thought, you know, it could have just as well been me pounding those nails in the hands and the feet of Jesus. It could have just as well been you, really. And we like to think, well, maybe we wouldn't, stoop, wouldn't have stooped to that. But you know, sinners are sinners. And sinners stoop to some depth that they never thought they would stoop to. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a downward, it's a downward uh, trend away from God. And when we look at it in that aspect, when we look at, for, at it from that perspective, you know, it, 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 it kind of hits, you know, it hits with a reality that I think sometimes we gloss over. It was because of me, because of my sins. I'd like to read further here in Romans chapter 7. Uh, Romans chapter 7, begin at verse 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would... Not I consent unto the law that is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul is talking about his, his contradiction that he experiences in, in his attempt to live the Christian life. And we, we can probably identify with that. We, we attempt to do it in our own strength. Physically, we can't do it. Reading on in, in chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Here's the answer. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal man is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Those verses there in chapter 8 are very, very precious, I think. You know, it tells us what can happen, what, what God wants to do with our lives. And to think that the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus can live within us and give us that life, that dimension of life beyond the physical dimension. Uh, it's so powerful. Romans 5 verse 12 tells us, Death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Someone has mentioned in chapter 7, if you go through and count them, I didn't count them, I, I took somebody else's wording for it, in chapter 7, there's 40 me's and I's. And those are what we fight against. We're our worst enemy. <laughs> At least that's the way I find it. Uh, there's 40 me's and I's that Paul's talking about there in chapter 7. And our inability to live the Christian life, it's the me and the I's that get in the way of us experiencing what God wants us to be. Chapter 8, then, is a much better picture of what, can he, what God can do in our lives if we allow Him to work. And, it, you know, you think of the, the transformation that Romans 12 talks about. You know, we often liken it to the, the, uh, the caterpillar and the butterfly. No comparison, absolutely. A transformation that takes place in the life of the believer that God, uh, the change that He brings in the life. And that's how we know. And, uh, but yet that struggle, we still struggle. As long as we're in the flesh, we will, re we will have that, that conflict there with our carnal nature. And I think it's a growing process. And it's, uh, you know, I, I think of that song many times, that chorus we sing, God's still working on me and making me want to how to be. And uh, so it's a lifetime process, I believe, as God uh, works with our, in our lives through His Spirit. Luke chapter 3, verse 6 is the third one I want to take you to. <clears throat> and it's a continuation there. Uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 6. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And I want to read along with that also the great commission that we have in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 and Jesus came this is Jesus at the conclusion of his earthly ministry he was ready to depart and go home to glory and he was coming to his disciples here it says in verse 18 Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I don't know if you noticed the alls in those verses there. Looking at uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 6, All flesh uh, shall see the salvation of God. Do I have a part in all flesh seeing the salvation of God? I think God is expecting that we be channels of that display of... Um, Showing Christ to the world today. And I think it's, a, it's without any doubt. It's a yes. We do have a part in playing, in, in portraying the salvation that God has brought to mankind. If you are a believer this morning, if you're a child of God, you are accountable, I believe, to show 
uh, Christ, His love, His plan of salvation in your generation, in your time. I thought of Hebrews chapter 11, that faith chapter. There's Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthus, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. And you can fast forward to prayer at church and we can list all of you here this morning. We have a responsibility to uh, portray and to be faithful in showing God's salvation to mankind today. Looking at the Great Commission there in in, uh, Matthew 28, Jesus told them, He said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. There is no greater force, no greater power that we will ever, ever encounter or we will ever, ever need if we have Jesus, if we have God in our lives. The Greek has the Greek is translated there. It says authority, jurisdiction, uh, liberty, right, and strength. That's Strong's defining of that word trans, uh, translated there out of the Greek of power. You know, it sounds like to me, it's, it's, some, it's a relationship that we, we cannot afford to be without of when you think of it in relation to liberty, uh, authority, jurisdiction, strength. We need all of those there. People are, are you know, liberty is one of the things people are, are their, their quest is for that. We can find liberty in Jesus Christ this morning. We have authority in Jesus Christ this morning. We have right and strength through Him. Not our own, but Jesus Christ is what we experience as we accept Him as our Lord and Savior. It's the most important relationship, I believe, we any of us can ever cultivate is that relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 19, All nations, no geographical area is off limits. He's not willing that any should perish. <clears throat> what are we to teach? We're to teach all things. Am I obeying all of the commandments of God? You know, that was one of the things that used to always kind of nag in the back of my mind. How do I know whether I'm obeying all of the commandments of God? You read, have a Sunday school lesson like we had this morning, and, you know, immediate judgment. And, again, I, we, we leave that in the hands of God. Um, I believe we can have rest. I believe we can have peace. I believe we can have hope in knowing that if there is something lacking in our lives... <laughs> God will bring that to our attention. We have that promise of the work of His Holy Spirit living within us. If there's something missing, if we're not doing something yet, I believe God wants us to enjoy life uh, in a dimension that is, is honoring and pleasing to Him, not in the pleasure pursuits of the world that we the world would know it. Uh, but it was a question that came to my mind as I thought about that in relation to even the Sunday school lesson. Am I obeying all of God's commandments myself? And that's my first responsibility is to myself. Secondly, I believe it, it branches out to my family. Thirdly, I believe it branches out to my local community. Uh, fourth, there's sometimes happenstance encounters. Am I, am I showing, am I teaching, am I living all of the uh, am I observing all of the things that, that God wants us to observe? And uh, then fifthly, to my generation. And that's, that's a bigger span of time. Uh, my generation, I, I'm in the baby boomer generation. And uh, 
You know, that's, I, I, that's the generation that I need, I'm responsible for impacting. Some of you are generation, what's the next one, X? Generation X? X after the baby boomers? I don't know. Don't matter. Makes no difference, I guess. <laughs> Generations blur together. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll let that drop. But, you know, it says we're supposed to be faithful till the end. Uh, that's how long God expects us. He says, uh, even unto the end of the world... Amen. God expects us to be teaching and portraying all of the truth in, of the gospel as we live it in our daily walk and action of life. The fourth one that I want to, uh, the fourth all that I want you to look at is in Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know, God wants to hear from you this morning. God wants to hear from me. God wants to hear from each one of you this morning. God loved you, and He wants to hear back from you. And praying is how we do it. Praying is how we communicate to God. And God wants to hear from you and me this morning. Prayer is our source of power. We hear the expression many times, seven days without God makes one week, W-E-A-K. We are only experiencing our praying in, Sundays, in our Sunday service, and I don't think that's the case. You have no reason to suspect there's anybody not doing that. But there are times we can get busy, and we forget to pray to God. Uh, do we pray as often as we should? I believe we need to pray daily at a minimum. And I believe we need to pray multiple times a day. It may not be a long, lengthy prayer, but I believe it's a prayer that can come from the heart, uh, given to any circumstance or situation that we may be facing uh, on a daily basis, perhaps. Pray many times a day. Pray about anything. There's nothing too small or too big. God wants to hear about it. And then keep on praying. I remember long ago, when I was a young person at, before I was married, I remember there was a boy in our youth group, and uh, he said, well, what's the purpose of meeting for prayer meeting? And uh, he said, uh, you know, we pray about the same things every week. And uh, I'm not sure where he is spiritually today. But, you know, the, the thing that, that I think I'm challenged with, that, challenged with as I think about that question you know, at least that's the way I find it. I don't know how you find it. Maybe you can share with me how you find it. But, you know, maybe we do say the same prayer requests every week, every month. But, you know, it probably has more what it does for us, maybe oftentimes, than what it does for the other person. That's another dimension of it. That doesn't mean God can't work in the other person's life. But I believe as we continually pray and as we continually bring those requests to God, I think it tells something about our devotion, tells something about our commitment to Him, and our, our faith and trust in Him to work in spite of what we see, maybe nothing happening. And that, even if we think nothing is happening, doesn't mean nothing isn't happening. We don't see the total picture. We're so narrow-minded. Our vision is so narrow sometimes. God can be working behind the scenes of times in ways that we don't even understand or know. And uh, so I say keep saying the prayers. <laughs> maybe we should just have a... And I, I guess I did that one time. We just kept a, a current list up here and we wanted to add some new ones. Or as God answered them, we took them off. 
Nothing at all wrong with that. Saved a little time besides. Pray for others. It says pray for all saints. I need the prayers of you this morning. I need the prayers of those I love. Can you commit to pray for me this morning? I'd appreciate that. Can I commit to pray for you this morning? Each one of you. The fifth one is in First Peter. Fifth all is in First Peter chapter five, verses seven. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Maybe I should read some of the context around that there. It says, I'm going to back up uh, to verse uh, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. All your care upon him. What are your cares this morning? What are cares translated? It's translated here from the Greek. It could be worries, anxieties. Uh, I'd like to go back to Philippians chapter uh, 4, uh, verses uh, 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes, notice that, all understanding. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Can I claim that promise this morning in Philippians? Well, what are some of our cares this morning? They could be personal cares, they could be family cares. They could be business cares. They could be church cares. They could be physical cares. They could be spiritual cares. We could categorize them. We could talk about them. And I'm not saying there isn't brotherhood value in in sharing our cares with each other. There may be. But you know, the most important person to share it with is Jesus Christ. He can help you to understand what needs to be done. Another quote that I I came across that I, I really appreciated that I think applies itself to our Christian life. It says, not to spoil the plot of the story, but in the end, everything is going to be okay. Now, that needs to be qualified. You know, usually when there's a story written, there's a plot, and you're in suspense. We're living our lives, and it's a story. And, you know, there's times we come up against it. And, but, you know, when we are no, when we have confidence this morning that we are living where God, the way God wants us to live, where He wants us to live, how He wants us to live, it don't matter how it turns out, does it? It really doesn't matter. Everything is going to be okay in the end if I'm living for Jesus. Well, I hope these alls have challenged your thinking. All means all when it comes to God. Number one, reading His Word. Do I accept it as all inspired from Him? Confessing my sins. We have all sinned. Number three, I need to accept Jesus as my Savior. We need to see and understand the salvation He has brought to all men. Number four, praying and worship will be the result of that and recognizing Him as Lord of my life. 
And then number five, expressing faith as I daily walk with him and cast my cares upon him and commit my life into his keeping.